0: supported by and do not reflect those of the Evening Rush Network, viewers' discretion is advised. Yeah.
1: Is the yeah, you know what it is, we the head honchos The number one pockets of rails and black hole We hitting hard, we got the balls, we at the top, whoa Just tune in every Monday at night for your favorite show The realization hour, yeah, you know what we be on My interview your favorite artist, play your favorite song Reporting live from NY, we up in every borough Not to mention we worldwide, got the game and the choco We keep it ish, popping how you love that? Forever at the top, how you love that? we the life of the party, how you love that? Showing love to the artists, get it right back So light you up a L and Ellen just kick back We bout to get it poppin', is you ready yet? This
2: show is for the real ones and the pretty ladies Can't forget about my riffles and the project bass It's the realization hour
1: Ooh, it's the realization hour Ooh, okay. it's the realization hour Oh, it's the realization
0: hour. Okay. Yo, welcome, everybody. Welcome back. It's been a minute, but welcome back to the rose Relaxation Hour. I'm your host, rose joined again, once again, by my co host, Superstar Jay Blacko himself. What's going on, brother? chilling
1: man chilling man it's been a minute we've been gone for like what three weeks for like a month a lot's been going on shout on travel united states what's up with
0: you my brother Uh, i mean i'm not as i'm not as world traveled as you are right now but um i've been good i can't complain man i can't complain everything's been good everything has been copacetic
1: Nah, that's what it is, man. You shout once again. I see you got the wrestling thing. Well, of course, you know I was on episode one. Shout out to you all to finish, man.
0: I appreciate that. You'll be on episode three too.
1: I'm definitely, definitely. You know, we we we, we big. I, I'm not a big wrestling fan like I used to be. I think I stopped doing the ruthless r- r- aggression era. Was my bring, end?
0: We bringing them back though, guys. We are bringing them back. He's slowly, he's slowly getting back in the ring. Slowly.
1: slowly. Yo, I uh, listen. I play if I play a wrestling game that got my attention, it'll get me back. That's how wrestle That's how I stay in wrestling mode. I, I play the games. I'm back into it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. What else? What else is new with you though? How's everything?
1: Um, I've been good, man. Like I said, I did the um, the um, what's that? The cross country tour, driving from Vegas to New York. And, you know, I know everybody out there probably like, what the fuck is he talking about? Let me say something to y'all. It's not that bad. I enjoyed the open road. I got to know myself, honestly, and I got to really clear my head. And it's something something that was definitely needed I, like I said I scratched off the bucket list east to west next year I'm trying to do and I told you about it I'm trying to do south to north I'm
0: trying to do hey, buddy, I'm, try,
1: I'm trying to get them y'all I'm trying to get I'm trying like to get a couple of people I like how you said them. that as soon
0: as she you said as soon as she clocked in too <laughs> <laughs> Be trying. I'm trying to get them to go from
1: Texas y'all all the way across the south stop you know have some good southern food just make sure so, i don't do it in the food. middle of hurricane season oh no 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 listen listen if if anything possible try and do that shit in like summertime that's the best way to do it because you come from summer to summer well no. south is
0: gonna be hell uh, you go from, you go from hell to hell humidity to New York <laughs> people love same shit it's the same <laughs> the way listen when I left Vegas it was like what a buck ten no a buck ten so it wasn't too bad though and then when you got here
1: I got here, that shit dropped down to like 80, like 79, 80.
0: I will say this. Being a mailman in the summertime, I absolutely hate it. Thank God that fall is coming back around. Cooler weather, less sweat for me and less is in the gym. Thank God for that. Because this humidity this summer has been one of the hottest summers I've delivered in the 15 years I've been delivering mail.
1: But it wasn't a hot summer though that's the crazy part about Shit, it it felt like it
0: we had a this is probably the longest stretch of 90 degree days that we've had
1: nah i think the hottest summer we had was like probably like three four years ago it ain't really it, wasn't, it was hot the summer but it wasn't that hot so it wasn't too too bad you know what i'm saying but then again like i said i just came from 120 112 degree weather so
0: but you came from 112 degree dry heat too so it wasn't that bad
1: Matter of fact, it, the, when I left Vegas, it was like the time we all us four went to Vegas and shit, all that. When it's hot out there that day, mm-hmm. well, that, that week, you know what I'm saying? It was like that. You know what I'm saying? So, I think I I, I saw I was gonna go back to Vegas. I think I'll Vegas one more trip. Like so? It gotta, so? Be, it gotta be well done more correctly. so like yeah. So what I'm saying it gotta be done. It gotta be run done real correctly to the point I'm on a I'm on an airplane on a window like this. Oh, no, I need, I one, that. That. Bro, I I need old. one of those.
0: I'm old. I can't do that no more.
1: Not i don't listening. like i don't like that
0: feeling
1: me neither i hate it i don't know how people get drunk i hate I hate, listen i hate i hate feeling drunk i hate being drunk i like being nice i have like to laugh a lot you know what i'm saying and I, you know I me mean? i joke all day already but i cannot i hate being drunk and i hate
0: the hangover yeah i don't i don't like the feeling either trust me it does not feel good but um <clears throat> we back at it um tonight's episode should be a good one too um, before we get started, uh, let's just shout out the sponsor, uh 2920 clothing. Uh blacko um owes me some shirts, so I'm putting it out there now. So that way, the next couple of times I see them with shirts and I don't get my shirts done. I'm gonna put them on blast in the show. Um, so I just felt the need to do that again. So, and I'm gonna do this every time I see a new shirt and we come on the show. I'm not even gonna tell you no more. Like, I'm not even gonna text you no more. I'm just gonna be like, Yo, shout out to 2920 clothing and that new black o shirt he got. Just
1: just like that. Just like that. Oh, you know. Listen, like man, that. it's it's not me, man. The, the, okay. I yeah. got you. Like He's I said, got right
0: you. he just said it's not okay.
1: It's yeah. not me, man. You gotta, I, talk, you, gotta, you gotta talk to the main company, B. That's what it is. They gotta right. walk around like a like like the mannequin and all that. You do know, we,
0: you company. do know we are the main company, right?
1: Listen, I know what you're talking about
0: right okay yeah
1: yeah it's the man above the man
0: <laughs> right well, we are the man above the man <laughs> Yo. And shout out to, sticking with it right and shout out to bobby d customs uh always on, the d always on the check-in always liking all the posts always supporting so shout outs to you definitely and um so time for our guest for the night um so i feel like this is a very important episode to have and i'm glad he came on tonight because you know this is something me and black or we talk about off air often but we don't really ever talk about it on air it We do. Pre- yeah but not as much as we talk about it off air though okay so yeah so you know it's about it's about the education system not only across the country but in but most specifically in new york city so i guess tonight i guess tonight he's uh the president of the new york city elementary school principals association um lewis e torres
2: man that crowd is big
0: man listen we got a big audience man thanks for joining <laughs> us tonight man appreciate it
2: absolutely brother it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure and honor to be here tonight with with the two of you
0: yeah, definitely appreciate it. that appreciate it sorry to have you out so having you up so late too i apologize by the way for that listen you're in a fun. relaxation
1: album, man he relaxing right now that's absolutely it supposed
0: to be but thanks yeah, once you, again you, for joining
2: you just know i'm gonna be real and and, and i'm here to be real so and that we
0: need to know. I'm here. Absolutely. So, um, in doing some research on you, um, I got a question. How is it that I understand that you got left back? Because I did, I did hear that part. How did the school not know that you
2: you couldn't read? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it, it happens today, right? It happens nowadays too. Um, a lot of our youth get get pushed through the system, and, and no one really. You know, takes the time to know them as learners. You know, so um, I was in third grade. Um, I finally got a teacher that that took the time to realize that I wasn't going to be ready for fourth grade. Um, my mother, you know, my mother was Puerto Rican woman. You know, my father, Puerto Rican man. Both of them hardworking people. Um, education, they left it up to the schools. And they, you know, they trusted the schools. And, you know, finally I had a teacher to say, you know what, this kid can't read. He can't go on to the fourth grade. If we push him to the fourth grade, he's just going to keep moving along. He's never going to catch up. So I finally got a teacher that took the time, you know, and and she said, you know, you're not going to move forward. Uh, It was devastating for me, you know, as a kid, I actually didn't want to go home. (laughs) I wanted to run away at that point, you know, but, uh, I, w- I was fortunate that this person um, took the time to know that I couldn't read and held me back.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's hard for inner, It's hard for us, especially as inner city kids, because um, and this is what I was asking you. This is what I was going to ask you because I'm just going to get right into the question I asked you. I want your honest opinion. A lot of the teachers, especially when I grew up, when I was growing up, a lot of the teachers weren't from the city. They were like either from the suburbs or you know maybe Jersey or whatever the case may be. Do you think that a lot of these teachers just looked at it as a nine to five or eight to four, as opposed to just really sitting there and trying to help these kids learn?
2: Yeah. And the other thing was, you know, I really didn't have any black teachers. I didn't have no black teachers. I didn't have any Hispanic teachers growing up. They were all white. Majority were not from the neighborhood. Um, and, and that was a, a big challenge for me because, you know, I was growing up in a very challenging community. They didn't understand, you know, where I was coming from. And they were making judgments on me as early as, you know, first, second grade. And they just passed me along. But, you know, a lot of the challenges is that the, the teachers didn't reflect the community that they were serving. And I think that sometimes, you know, um, it puts us in a disadvantage when we don't have enough black and brown teachers out there. Uh, like my school building right now, Um, I had for a long time, I had about 70% white teachers. I I flipped that and I have now like 99% black and Hispanic teachers. Mm. Because, you know, the children need to be around people that look and are like them and understand them and understand their culture. You know, don't get me wrong. There are some white teachers that go, you know, real strong for our, our community. And I have some in my school. And sometimes black and brown teachers believe, you know, are not the best for our children either, right? So you get some black and brown teachers that are not good for our children. Believe it or not, sometimes they're worse. But um, back then, when I was going to school, I I didn't see a black teacher until I got to um, high school. You know, so that was that was that was one of the major problems I felt.
1: Let me ask you some um a question. Um, like you said early in your educational you come up, you said you couldn't read. You had a teacher that sat down with you, helped you develop. that got you prepared for the next grade. Do you think that's one of the issues that they have right now? Because you know, especially nowadays with these kids, like these kids, you see a lot. You see a lot of them acting out. Do you think the acting now come from trying to hide the fact that they they lack in certain terms of learning, like math,
2: reading, and everything? I think that the biggest challenge, and I I hope that in my 18 years, I've been able to stress this, and I see a lot of work around what I've been talking about for years, is that education for a lot of our families is a sixth priority. Food, shelter, safety, health, access to technology comes before education. Not because our people don't value education, but it's because life's challenges for a lot of our families come before education And because of these inequities that exist, our children are faced with, with, you know, challenging life situations that don't allow them to focus on education. You know, it's hard to read a book when you are hungry, right? It's hard for you to do homework when you got no light in your house. It's hard for you to do your homework when you don't got furniture to do your homework on, or you don't have internet access you know, a lot of these things came out during the pandemic and we started to realize that, you know, a lot of the issues is that the inequities of the world are greater than the, the, the priority of education. And for a lot of our families, unless we address those five other basic needs, we can never focus on education. So we got children coming to school that are hungry and can't focus in the classroom. And because nobody's taking the time to understand that, are penalizing our children for the inequities that exist in the world. And, you know, lack of sleep is another big issue, right? When you got mm-hmm. gun shooting happening right outside your door or right outside your window on a regular basis, like the mm-hmm. community I serve, mm-hmm. how can you sleep? You can't sleep, you can't focus, you can't think. And then you got to wake up early in the morning after a whole night of all this chaotic life that was going on, and then you got to go back and focus in school. And the first thing you get from a teacher is why are you late? Why you didn't do your homework? Why you didn't do this? Why you didn't do that? And then that's why our children get angry and frustrated. And that's one of the reasons why in my school, I teach my teachers um, what's called therapeutic crisis intervention. You know, I t- teach them to de escalate children, not to escalate them. Because a lot of the times our children are coming in already escalated. And because they're escalated, as soon as you tell them, take their hat off, and they say no to you, and you grab that hat from them, then they punch in the wall or punching in the window, then we're suspending our children. But did somebody take the time to find out that that kid just spent the whole night in a community where gun shooting was happening outside his window? Or he didn't have nothing to eat? Or he didn't have electricity in his house? Or he didn't have internet access to do the homework? Or printer to print the work. There's so many things that our youth face every day. That if we as schools and educators don't try to work with them, and take away that extra baggage from them, we're never going to truly educate our children. And a lot of it is purposeful, because you know the same way we're talking tonight about education, there are people talking about private prisons and investing in private prisons. Mm right the same way we talk about educating our youth that people like finding out ways of how to increase enrollment in the prisons you know and and we have to understand that and when we understand that then we understand that as educators in our schools we can't just focus on literacy and math we have to try to address all those other basic needs as much as possible so that our children can then focus on education
1: that's powerful that you bring that up because now you know you know, like, as me and Ralph, we all came up, you know, like Ralph went to private school. I went to, I went to regular elementary school all the way up to finish. And you say that, it's like, you bring it up, like, you know, kids come to school agitated. Cause I used to see that every day, a teacher gets on with a stool and you never knew what's going on. Sometimes, and I don't mind, as the students, we just think, yeah, this kid's just a bad-ass kid. He's going to do what he wants. And like you said, we don't know the the turn of events that he's going through he might be going through something at home hunger you know and that definitely plays a major part being i'm a father myself now and i see that and it's like i try to make sure you know they ate they the kids good in the morning the spirits is good because you know with me i didn't have it it was easy to get up and go
2: yeah and, and you know and another thing that that is not said you know, lately I've been posting up. It's ten a.m. uh ten p.m. Do you know where your children are? Remember the commercial that used to mm-hmm. come out? That's yeah. Like, yeah. I'll be posting that up on Instagram, trying to get that you know revived, because a lot of the issues too is that you know we're not we're not we're not taking the time to really um, uh, control and, and manage our family at home and and what's going on at home with our children. Um, you know, I guarantee you, if I drive around the community where my school is located. We'll find a group of kids just running around and hanging out and it's like eight o'clock, nine o'clock mm-hmm. at night right now.
1: If your mommy asks you, what is your what area is your community? You know?
2: Oh, I am located in Claremont, right in the middle of four <laughs> housing projects.
1: Right. He,
0: bro, he's, a principal at 50, he's a principal at 55, right across the street from my building. I my yeah. so you
1: say fifty-five like I'm from I'm your just, area. No, but <laughs> you know, you,
0: okay, so you know where you park on the hill?
1: Filth, yeah, I know.
0: Yeah, I whatever. It, I... the big school right across the street.
2: Yeah, I, I got it. Oh. So, so I'm right in the middle, mm-hmm. you know, right between Washington and Webb, <laughs> where everything goes down, right? Because you can't go to the library in Fulton Street if you live on Webster, because you got to walk through Washington. You got to walk through. You got to walk through you Franklin. Know, this is the type of stuff that I deal with as a principal. You know, where I have to cancel fire drills when there's gun shooting outside. You know, it's just not a normal place. But I've been there 18, 19 years, so. You know i'm part of the family because i have now grandkids of uh, 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 former students coming to the school which is crazy, crazy. <laughs> let me ask you
1: son. this this is much more touching and as a principal you say you've been in 18 19 years and this is like i said it's gonna be a touching question yep like you said you grew up in that neighborhood you got kids from that neighborhood how many kids students you know that when he left that school you hear like they passed on because you know yeah. stuff that happened in the street that you try to you know, de- you know get them away from
2: yeah what i, what I haven't i haven't really dealt with that as far as the shooting and the gangs um i actually had two two of my students die in the fire that happened in the bronx mm, Okay, um, two of my students died in that fire um one of my staff members lost her um her sister her sister's husband and their three children. So like the fires is where I, I've i been hit hard from the school perspective. Um, but with, with my students, um, I haven't seen a lot of that, but what I what I do see is um, a lot of youth that are lost because when they leave my school, um, depending on what middle school they get into, is like a Russian roulette game. And mm-hmm. they go in the wrong middle school you know, there's nothing I could do at that point. But what I also do, just let's, let's focus on some of the positive. I have right now about 20 of my former students that work in the school now. I actually have a fifth grade teacher now mm-hmm. teaching math. She was a former student of mine in the school, African young lady. She's now a fifth grade math teacher. I have about six paraprofessionals that work in the school system now. That were former students of mine that we put them through. Um, so I basically hire the community because you can't be a real community school unless you involve the community. So I hire people from the community. So my youth work for me. I actually have a community cleanup program where I pay um, one hundred dollars every Saturday for 13 of my young men to come out and, and do community cleanup. Every Saturday they do it and we pay them one hundred dollars, twenty dollars an hour for five hours. Um, so I do a lot of that work. The problem is. When they leave me, <laughs> the problem is when they leave me and they wind up going the wrong direction, then it's very hard for me to do anything. Because, you know, I used to believe that I could fix the community with the school. But the reality is if there's not equal investment in the school around the community, the, the, the community around the school. It becomes a cycle of failure because mm-hmm. everything I teach the children, they go back and, re, you know, they go back and, and relearn the negative stuff. You know, mm-hmm. and that's that's the challenge I have. So, you know, one of the things I'm trying to do is partner up more with middle schools. And that's one of the reasons why I was so happy to be the president of the Elementary Schools Association, because I could leverage that to try to get more schools to do the work that I'm doing so that we can have a greater impact on the community. Because if we're just doing it from my school, it's not going to really impact the community the way we need to. Because there's three thousand families living on one square block. Mm -hmm. I can't possibly do it all. But if we get more schools to do the work that I'm doing, then we could have a greater impact.
0: And it sucks because, like you said, um, it's only so much you can do. If you have a kid in your school, let's just say from 7 in the morning to 3, and there's really nothing you can do from 3.30 on into the next day. So God knows what can, like everything you taught them in that eight hours of of day of school can all be rear can be erasing of what the next hour and two depending on the company that they're in.
2: Yeah, and the good thing is we have an after school program that goes to. I try to keep the building open mm-hmm. till six every day. And I even do Saturdays now. And we're about to open up a soccer stadium in the school. And just to give you a little bit of taste of what we do in our school. I'm building a soccer stadium in the in the in the in the schoolyard. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to work right now with Grandmaster Kaz and Grandmaster Melly Mel and Windows of Hip Hop to put a music studio in the basement of the school. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are uh, about to open up our brand new cafeteria. I'm about to have a $850,000 to $2 million upgrade of the auditorium. We actually have aeroponic farms in the school as well as farms outside of the school where we grow vegetables all year long. We grow zucchini, eggplant, tomatoes, everything, kale. And we teach the children how to cook it and we give them food to the community and we give to the cancer patients that live in the neighborhood. So we're trying to create a self-sustaining community, but the challenge is there's not an equal investment in the housing projects around the school. There's a community center that can only service about 200 children at a time. Mm-hmm. But you have thousands of children in that area that have nowhere to go after the after-school program, and then that's where that cycle of failure goes. I even have a baseball diamond across the street that no longer exists. They use that field as a dog park at this point. I try to get that park, and they told me, no, housing didn't give it to me. But yet they haven't developed anything over 18 years in that park where I could have created a baseball program Mm -hmm. and have more youth involved in programs and activities. So with all the great stuff we do. I even have a hospital in the school with a nurse, dentist, psychologist, ophthalmologist, full-time on staff. So we do full service in the school. I have all of this stuff going, but there's no investment in those buildings around the school. You know, they put up scaffolding. They're making money off of the scaffolding. They're doing, you know, causes more crime in the neighborhood. I know where all all the dealings and the drugs and stuff is going on. So I'm able to navigate and work with people in the community to try to keep that away from our kids. But there's no equal investment in the community around the school, so a cycle of failure will continue and the inequities continue and, and sadly, you know, we will continue to feed the prison system until there is real change that happens in that community. Um with all my efforts, you know, and and I'm tra- my my job I feel is to close the prisons, you know, but it's not equal investment in the neighborhood. You, you just don't see it. There's no YMCA in that neighborhood. There's no Kids Bay in that neighborhood. There are no banks in the neighborhood. This is this is just, you know, straight up Chinese restaurant on the corner type of neighborhood, you know?
0: Listen, I've grown up in this area my whole life. I understand everything you're saying. Trust me, 100%. Um, and it, it, it sucks that. These places would rather find ways to, you know, to improve prisons than they would to improve neighborhoods. It sucks.
2: You yeah. Know. And, you know, they, they say that, the, you know, they use the third grade reading levels to determine how many prison cells they need to open up. You know, So it's based on third grade reading levels. They can predict that if you can't read by third grade, then you need a prison cell to be built for you. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did mean, either. If you look it up. There's a lot of research on it. People will say No. I say yes, because, you know, there's got to be some way to determine, predict, right? You know, because these people are about money. They got it. They're not going to be investing in something if they don't think it's going to make them money, right? So they have to have some kind of predictor. And the predictor, they, the, based on research, the predictor is third grade reading levels. Because I
1: think each inmate is worth like 30000 a an inmate, some shit like that.
2: It's cheaper to mistaken. send them to college. It's cheaper to send people to college than it is to put them in prison. You mentioned
1: it, it makes no sense. It, 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 it's it's great, but like you just said, Ralph, they invest more in the prisons because it's 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 like an investment, right Honestly, you figure like it's like a prison, like I said a like prison, laundry mats, and funeral homes.
0: They, they those three is always gonna be needed. Yep. And sadly in this area it's laundromats, Chinese restaurants, liquor stores. Right. Yep. You know and, so- you know I when I and and
2: I was Talking off, off off the screen. Um, when I was growing up, right, I was an artist. And nobody took the time to know I was an artist. I you know, uh, I got left back in, in, in early grades. But then when I got to high school, it got even worse. In high school, I had my guidance counselor tell me that I would not be successful in college, that I needed to join the military. And this was right before Desert Storm. Um, and I knew something was coming because most of my friends during that year, that graduation year, were were being pushed towards the military. So I could probably predict now based on what I was, I would be able to say, you know what? They were preparing us to go out there and, and sacrifice ourselves. So they guided me to the military. They told me I would not be successful in college. And this was a guidance counselor. Didn't look like anybody from the community basically telling me that I needed to go into the military. Long story short, my mother signed me up at 18. I was in the U.S. Navy, and then I got shipped right out to Desert Storm. Luckily, the war was over before anything could happen. But, um, you know, the reality is you got people like that in this world that are going to tell you what you can and cannot do in this world. And because I didn't know any better, I was redirected. And that's why I got into education, because I want to make sure that our youth um do what they want to do in life not what somebody tells them to do especially when they're being guided the wrong way
1: that's crazy like you say that at least you know at least I can say this you know you had your guidance counselor tell you going to military was something productive especially later on in life you know what I'm saying you had especially my generation was different like you said you had teachers that's not from your neighborhood that don't understand they used to tell the students oh you ain't gonna be shit I done heard it a couple of times not to me though you ain't going to be shit. You're never going to be nothing. You go, go get your GED. You might as well drop out. And sad to say, that's what was happening, especially when I got the theater. I, got, I went to Theodore Roosevelt on Fordham Road. And that's one of the first schools I could legitimately say I've seen, you know, a lot of people my age and like a year too older dropping out left and right. And the reason I asked you the question earlier about have you seen students that went on, you know, growing up that had passed on, you know, doing it for the neighborhood because, when I got there, you know, I had students my my freshman year, especially that's when they're doing the gang era. I don't see multiple students get killed. Well, I ain't gonna say I've seen, but, you know, I could speak to them on a Monday, come to find out they dead on Tuesday. And, you know, some teachers took it hard because it's like, damn, like, you're a kid. What happened? What's going on? Like, maybe if I would have been on you more, which these teachers don't, especially around that time. I don't know about now. You know what I'm saying? I can't speak for your district. I, I can't speak for your district, but I'm speaking about over here is like, I don't know.
0: You know, you know the crazy thing, right? Because, you know, in high school, you have multiple classes. So yeah. for for one teacher that can sit there and say they believe in you, you'll have two or three other teachers who won't give a damn about you. And those exactly. kids will and those kids will listen to the two or three that don't give a damn about you more than the one who actually is looking out for you.
2: But, you know, you know, I always credit my guidance counselor as being my greatest motivational speaker <laughs> because by her telling me that, when I got out the military, I was so on fire to go to college to prove that guidance counselor so wrong that I wound up with five college degrees. And that was really to just prove her wrong. And I wish that she was alive when I finished so that I could go back to her and say, what do you think now, you know? And, and it really just, it just changed my mindset about everything. And then sadly, you know, I thought it was over. My daughter applies for a college and and, and I don't care. I'll say it out loud. Um, she applied for um, the, the, the art college, downtown Manhattan. Um, and she didn't get in yet. They accept um, foreign students at a higher rate than black and brown students. Very right? true. So, you know, things have not changed. You know, you would think that by now they would have changed. They have not changed. And and, and the system is created in a way where if you show success, right? And you're not, I'm not supposed to show success. Mm -hmm. When you show success, they take away funding from you. So it's it's almost better for you not to be successful. Okay. That's Mm -hmm. the kind of system we're working on. What I'm saying is. The state education department, right, if you're a failing school, will give you extra money. Once you get off that failing list, they take all that money away that they gave you, and all those things that made you successful go away. That's why I had to become a hustler and a beggar, so that way I could get those resources without being dependent on the state education department. I became a hustling beggar. natural your
0: a question? Wait, Blacko, hold, hold that question. Let's take a break real quick. Um, cool. We're going to take a real break and we're going to come right back. Um, if you're looking to get a podcast on the Evening Rush Network and you don't know how, this is how you do it.
2: Looking to podcast shows and do not know where to start? The Evening Rush Network can help you with that. Call us at 929 441 2417 or email us at the Evening Rush Network at gmail.com for dates and prices. We got you for all your podcast needs. The Evening Rush Network. Tune in, subscribe, and share.
0: Thanks. Thanks for coming back with us. We're back with uh, Louis E. Torres, president of the New York City Elementary School Principal Association. But Blacko, you had a question I asked before we went to break?
1: Yes, I did. And um, I'm quite sure, you know, people that's watching, listening, they have the same question. Well, not even to say the same question, the same wonderings as I do. Um, you know, in the, in the cities, especially mostly the, you know, within the five boroughs and anywhere they consider the ghetto, how come the school system is separated? You have the regular elementary school when the educational level is subpar then you have charter schools where the education is supposed to be it supposed to be a little better but then you go to neighborhoods like long island the westchester county our charter schools basically they regular elementary schools why is that that is separated and it just can't be for one everybody gets the same educational treatment
2: that's a that's a good question and, and then the yeah. other way, question you need to ask is why are the poorer neighborhoods flooded with charter schools and the more affluent neighborhoods don't have charter schools, right? So if you go to certain neighborhoods, they they don't allow charter schools in there because their public schools require all the funding. See, what happens is when you put a whole bunch of schools in one community, right? There is now a fight for funding. And what you do is you wind up watering down a lot of schools at the expense of one or two schools. So some children will be very successful and get all the resources they need while others will be fending for themselves. Give you an example. And my school is very unique. I share my building with a charter school and I'm able to compete.
0: Okay, I have a question. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah.
2: Have, sharing a building with a charter school, is that beneficial or is that a detriment? So it depends on you, right? I'm a hustler. <laughs> they, put, they put a charter school in my building not knowing who I was, right? And I'm able to compete. I'm able to use the charter school to support and benefit my school. And we work collaboratively because I understand that we have to work for all children, whether they're charter school, public schools, and I have to make the relationship work for my children. Politically, they have a lot of uh, power. So I tap into that. Hustle-wise, I get the resources. So they need to tap into that. And they need me just as much as I need them. And I'm able to work that relationship. So um, I'm able to get the hospitals. I'm able to get the extra funding, I'm ex- able to get the extra resources, you know, that will benefit the charter school. And then whenever I need them for something, I'll be like, look, can I get your parents to 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 complain about the conditions in the auditorium, right? And then they're able to get that from me. So it's, it's about building a collaborative relationship, But but getting back to the question about charter schools. So when you flood a community with a whole bunch of charter schools, Funding is dependent on enrollment, right? So if you have a pool of 500 students, let's say, right? And you only have that those 500 students going to one school, that one school gets all the funding, right? That's the way we grew up in. That's the way our public schools were when we were growing up. That's why a lot of our public schools had the sports, the arts programs, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you flood that same community with five charter schools and your public school, Now, those 500 students are divided among six schools. Each school now only is able to get 100 children or depending how good your school is, right? You might get more than the other school and your funding is dependent on that register total, right? What's the first thing that goes? When you don't have funding, the non-essential subjects, the non-essential programs, sports, the which, arts, sports and arts, counseling services, all the things that we need for our children to be successful are then taken away, so that we can try to compete with the charter schools, which, on top of the um, funding that they're going to get for the, per student, they're able to go and get private funding and they're able to get additional fundings to, to make up for whatever monies they're losing based on register totals. But because you're, you're flooding communities with multiple schools, you're causing damage to the schools that were existing in those communities. Mm-hmm. But then the perception is that charter schools are better than public schools. And I will put my school up against any charter school and let's see who provides the most services and programs for their children. And I'm a public school, community school. Now, is that the norm for all schools? Probably not. It's just that I've figured out that in order for me to be competitive, I need to be able to hustle and beg for resources so that I can have... The additional programs, without being dependent on state funding and enrollment monies, so I get private fund a lot of private funding. I get a lot of funding from uh, elected officials and others because I've been able to, you know, figure out how to negotiate those monies. But it's not the norm for uh, public schools, and, and it's it's what you know. I'm I'm saying that if we don't change, it could be the downfall for public education in New York City and across the country. If we don't start to figure out that we need, we need both public and charter, but we can't have one affect the other one in a negative way. I have
1: a question for you. um, And this actually dates back to, like I said, time I'm going to school and coming up into like recent years. What made the educational system realize having too many kids in the classroom doesn't benefit you know, the growth of a child's education level until now where it's like before you had some classes that had like twenty kids in there. Now mm-hmm. you might see twelve to sixteen. What made them to really take a notice that and by okay, listen, the kids is not learning, teachers can't handle this. It's time to cut these classes and cut these classes in half. Now, this is a two part question now. Now being that they did that now, now you have some schools it's hard to get in. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have, they like, they over overbook, you know, and stuff like that. So what was the change that, what, what? who sat down and realized this? Was it the teachers? Was it the principals like yourself? Or was it the parents that's complaining, my child's not getting the proper education because you have one teacher in the classroom that's focused on this one child when it's tw- like 17 others in here that need the same proper education?
2: Yeah, so a lot of it is philosophies. A lot of it is the constant changing of leadership, right? So you get a chancellor believes in one thing, chance, another chancellor believes in something else. You get different philosophies, different ways of thinking. Um, if, you, if you're if you asking me from my perspective, yes. um, you know, growing up, we were growing up in a different time, right? Back then a teacher mm-hmm. could manage 30 summer students mm-hmm. a little bit better than teachers now, right? The behaviors are different. The it's way we educate our children is different. It's the level, too. Yeah, and the level of respect um mm-hmm. is different, right? Um, we it, it was different, it was just a different time. Um, the times now are a little bit uh more challenging. The children are coming in with more challenges. Research is showing, you know, um that we, we did some things wrong in the past that we need to to. To, to do differently now, but it, it, in my thoughts and the way I envision education moving forward is that education has to have a purpose. There has to be a purpose to education moving forward. Um, and the classrooms now should be more geared towards college, but more towards careers. The future careers that are gonna be coming out, right? So if, if that's the case, then we need to, to, to fine tune um, our classrooms, reduce the class sizes, focus the education more on preparing our children for various careers and creating pipelines to the city jobs. And that's what education should be moving towards, right? So right now, every high school should have a pipeline to the police department, fire department, sanitation department, um, construction work, all these jobs, there should be pipelines from the high schools going into these these schools, into into these careers. And on top of that, the housing development that's, that's being built in the Bronx and across New York offer a high school student a career, right? So you offer him the opportunity to be a police officer, then offer them a low income apartment in one of these buildings, right? And then you start to change the mindset of our community, you start to change the purpose of schools because, you know, what we're starting to find is that college is not for every student. There's a shortage of of, of people going into these positions in our city. And if a police officer lives in the community and is from the community, more than likely they're going to get more respect and you're going to have the community buy-in. So there has to be a shift in our education. So small class size, we understand, is because there's a change in, in, in the needs of our of our youth growing up. Right. You can't keep the system the same. If you keep it the same, you're never going to show change. Right. That's one small class size helps our children because the teacher can manage the class better. Right. Because when you have 30 students in the classroom, All it takes is the two in the back of the room to distract Mm -hmm. half of the class because if the children in the back of the class have a better um, lesson plan than the teacher, right, the the children are going to focus on those two children and the teacher is not going to get it. So small class size does work. There's a push for it. I know that the mayor um, announced that they're going to be implementing small class size Come. September 2023, so that's going to be in effect, but more than that, I think that we need to go back to vocational um, programs and having our youth and schools have a purpose with college and career being the end of it. Not every child is going to go to college, so let's have them go into a career. What we can't have is that our children continue to graduate from high school and wind up adding to the corners and the streets of the neighborhoods where we live in.
0: So, question: How do you how, do? You think it would be wise for like um for like schools to implement like a business class for kids, like to teach them how to run a business or teach them the the ins and outs of business
2: etiquette? Absolutely, financial literacy is very important. Um, right now, one of the things I'm doing is my incentives. I call them bitcoins. Um, I want to teach my children about bitcoins. Um, I want to teach them about the future of, of money. Um, you know, I want to teach them everything possible you see it in in other communities they teach their children how to open up bank accounts you got children walking around with debit cards in in middle school and high school learning about how to you know uh, how how, why why credit is important they learn about these things in other communities it's sad that in our communities we don't teach that right i didn't find out about financial literacy until i was buying my first property and, and and i was trying to figure out why You know, my interest rates were so high and why I was going to be paying more money than other people for the same property that they're buying. And it had to be with you know, do with my credit score and and my buying power and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's very important that we teach financial literacy in our communities. It's not done enough. And it's important that we um, partner up with banks and other organizations
1: and this the piggy you know this to piggyback off what y'all both talking about like me and rails we spoke about this on a couple of episodes like students like my even like myself when i was in high school i thought school was very boring i thought nothing I th- honestly i just wanted to get the hell out of there get you know get my degree i'm gone because it was nothing there that really excited me to really go um so now we talk about, like, for instance, now, like the last ten years, you had a high dropout rate with these students, especially high school wise. They wasn't finishing. You got a lot of kids that went the ninth or tenth grade. That was it for them because they wanted the financials. They wanted the money because they felt their parents couldn't give them any money, or the neighborhood they from could offer more money than what they was getting in school. They felt they learned enough, so they now they need to reach their financials. How come there's not a lot of schools? you Know that come together and you know and have these conversations like you know what? What can we do to get these kids? You know, interest in school, music, everybody loves music, like you say. You got the all you know, the music yes, so first, room,
2: first.
1: you know, but you know, you got a lot of kids that want to learn engineering, not not just the instrument part. Like you know, yep. times is different. When I grew up, we had the trumpet, even the saxophone, we, you know, we had the glee clubs yep. nowadays, it's more so the engineering room. Every kid want to be a rapper. They want to be a video photographer. Like, why they don't have some of these classes in these public schools where they know they can catch these kids' attention? That way, these kids be successful. It shouldn't have to be also all the time on some, you want to be successful, get your degree, get this, or be a basketball player, be a football player, be a baseball player to make it out. No. There's other avenues where money can be made, and honestly, the school will help that if they grab these kids' attention and figure out what they want because mm-hmm. majority of these kids want the same thing
0: mm-hmm.
2: absolutely. even even and
1: adults want the same thing
2: absolutely and i i'll share with you because i know you was talking about um your, your brand and everything early um we were teaching our children in the school um these are fourth and fifth graders how to make their own t-shirt brands we actually had um this young lady named k love um through windows of hip-hop came in and was teaching them the business of hip-hop then we had uh, a couple of people come in talking about engineering and the different careers. See, what I think was the biggest mistake is that back in the days, um, the focus was on high school and middle school, right? People would say, oh, they're dropping out of high school. Yeah. The reality is they're dropping out in elementary school. They're just getting to high school, mm-hmm. right? You have to teach them the legal business before they learn the illegal stuff. And that's 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 the important thing, right? So before they can learn the illegal stuff, Right before they become the lookouts, before they become the the carriers, and and we got to teach them about the legal businesses, those things that they can be doing, so that they can make money in the future that is legal, before they're being caught up and getting caught out in the streets. But doing it at the elementary level is very important, and I think that that what you're saying is very important. More elementary schools need to be doing this work early, before they get to middle school, because by the time they get to middle school and high school now, their mindsets are already set. They're going to, de- by by middle school, they're already determining whether they're going to finish high school or not. So we have to start the work earlier. Middle school is like high school when we were growing up. Elementary is like middle school when we were growing up. A lot of the issues that happen in middle school are not happening in the elementary level. A lot of the things that are happening in middle school now were happening in high school when we were growing up. But if we don't get them early and we don't capture them early and start to expose them to the various careers, I even got fencing going on in my school at this point. So mm. I want them to be exposed. I got fencing. So this is my Saturday. I said that in my
1: school too. We have fencing yeah. in my class. Yeah. My on
2: Saturdays, day. I got fencing, archery. I got tap dance with this guy named Josh Johnson, who's like the best tap dancer you ever meet. I got um, uh, capoeira. I got flamenco mm. dancing. I got... Uh, I got everything you could, I'm trying to expose them to everything that they could possibly expose to, to see if there's something that gets them. Mm -hmm. I teach the financial literacy. I partnered up with Chase Bank to do financial literacy. I also partnered up with um, Bronx Crypto to teach them about NFTs and cryptocurrency. Um, I'm doing everything in my power to educate them at the elementary level. We just got to get more schools and more people to do that across the city and across the schools. But you guys have a lot of answers to a lot of the questions you have. You got that. You already know what we need to do. The the problem is we got some people sitting in schools and running these schools that don't have that mindset. And we got to change that. And, you know, hopefully in my position, I'm able to clone a lot of what I'm doing across the city
1: lifeful life like another thing right one subject that always get over, that always been overlooked throughout times art You know, we heard the subject of art. We thought art was playtime is a free sub free period We just go there and draw but mm-hmm. no nobody, nobody ever explained to us that art is actually profitable Imagine you telling the kid listen, you know the art you make you take it serious. Maybe one one day they're hanging out in the museum you can make money off the of actual generational wealth they never taught us that they just taught us hey here go go draw this go paint that so you know you're explain, you're explain to a kid let's explain to a 10 year old hey you draw this pain make it real good hey you take it serious you can make money they have money they're gonna start taking it serious
2: mm-hmm. yeah, so, so one of the classes we teach is uh the difference between art and vandalism right okay.
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm
2: the difference between graffiti and vandalism so we have graffiti artists who are very successful like Andre Trinia um we've even had detached crew uh cope Two, and all these graffiti artists who are making big money doing graffiti right and we teach we tell them we want you to talk to the children about why you're making money to do these things and why when they're trashing it their elevator you know it's not good right and we teach them that and we we try to educate them on the difference between graffiti and vandalism and a lot of the children get it you got some children right now that uh have left my school that um want to get into art at, as a profession and make money um one of the things we do is we do an art show and you know children earn points on their art so it's you know we we try to art in our school we one of the things cuz i i was an artist i was a graffiti artist growing up right so i grew up um and i learned about art by watching the tatch crew draw the murals every time somebody in my in my family um uh in in the community would die they would draw the mural right that's how i was exposed to the art right so um i want arts and music to be in all schools and it's possible but sadly because of the budgets and, and and all the stuff that i was talking about earlier some schools have cut their arts and and music programs but even more so arts and music is access to college and careers which i keep talking about You, you can't compete for art scholarships if you don't have a strong art program or a strong art background that prepares you to compete for those scholarships it's the same thing with sports right the reason why we don't have a lot of black and brown hockey players is because we don't have black and brown pro uh, hockey programs in our schools in, in our in our schools they are predominantly black and brown same thing with tennis same thing with golf same thing with all the sports that you don't see black and brown people in it's not because we won't be competitive and win it's a matter of access and it's a matter of having those opportunities to be able to compete but every now and then you get a serena Every now and then you get a Tiger Woods. They got the access for whatever reason, right? And then they were able to do amazing. But imagine if all of our schools, if all of our high schools had strong sports and arts programs, how many more of our people would be going into these careers and getting the scholarships and the benefits of of having that access and resources? Right? So, so a lot of it, understand some of this is purposeful too. Right? If we don't have sports and arts programs in our community that are competitive, then who controls those scholarships? Right? And I say this in my TED talk. Who will control those scholarships if our sports and arts programs are not strong? Those communities that have strong sports and arts programs. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it, it's, it's no mistake as to why certain communities never pay for college even though they have money right because they they make sure they invest in their charles sports and arts background so they can compete for those scholarships we don't have that same access and we don't create those pipelines because we don't have the resources to do that and we have to figure it out and it can be done if we really want to change things it could be done but i, I want to give you something um Cause i want to make sure that i say this before the night is out mm-hmm. if you think about this right if we eliminate crime if you eliminate crime think about all those people that will be out of jobs and all those people that will lose money you won't need prisons anymore you won't need police officers anymore you won't need judges anymore you won't need lawyers anymore right if you eliminate crime and all those other things that you don't need what if you made everyone healthy think about all the people who will be out of jobs pharmacy pharmaceutical companies will lose their jobs doctors will lose their jobs physical therapists lose their jobs all these people lose their jobs there is a reason why all these inequities exist and there's a reason why that these things are allowed and it's all based on money and the people who are making money off of these things will continue to keep us failing and struggling so they can continue to make their money. There's a reason why all children can't read by third grade, because if all children read by third grade, you know how much money would be lost by these companies that invest in our children not being able to read? Programs that make money off of our children, the book companies, the 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 you know the southern the Sylvans, the other programs that are out there they make money on our children not being able to be successful would lose money so there's you know there's a lot of money to be made by us failing and keeping us unhealthy and by keeping the sports and arts programs out of our schools so a certain communities can continue to control those scholarships and access to resources that's crazy it's so, it so true he
0: just broke it down in his most simplest form
2: too you can't you
0: can't get any more simpler than that um I have one last question to ask so I don't want to pick it back for of something you did, you said earlier so obviously the guidance counselor telling you what your guidance counselor told you back then it could have pushed you into a negative way in life but instead you chose to take the positive route and got all those degrees that you got how important do you feel like guidance counselors are for schools today?
2: All right, let me let me um, make a, a comment before we get in trouble here tonight. Don't call them guidance counselors no more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to call them school counselors. School counselors, okay. Yeah, because um, there's a negative annotation with guidance counselor. It means like they're guiding us, which is what my guidance counselor did back then, right? <laughs> she actually guided me in the wrong direction, so they changed it to school counselors. Um, the terminology is not school counselors. But, um, you know... Again, this this is the damage that's being done every day. We have people that are guiding us in the wrong way. They're they're telling us to do things um, without really knowing who we are. You know, um, for me, if I didn't have the right mindset, that could have caused me either to be killed in the military somewhere or just, you know, dropping out. What if I didn't go into the military? and I said, you know what, screw it. I'm gonna just go to the streets and do my thing just like everybody else on the block, right? I'm not gonna go to the military. Or if I wouldn't went into the military and I didn't wanna take orders from nobody and got kicked out, that could have led me to another life, right? I would have got all that training and come back out with the gun training and everything else. I would have been a a, a hero in the community doing stuff, right? Because now I would have gun training. I would have a lot of stuff. You know, if I had the wrong mindset, it could have went so bad. And for a lot of our people in our communities, it went bad, (laughs) literally it went bad. And, and, you know, I have a lot of friends that they tell me that they didn't finish high school or college because they were misguided by people, you know, and and they were told that they wouldn't be successful. And they they were told, and it it became part of their mentor. And because they didn't have the right mindset or the family structure, See, I grew up with my both parents, my father and my mother. My father was a, a, a strong worker. My mother was, even though she didn't never want, you know, she didn't finish college. She was very smart. They kept me from going the wrong way. It could have easily went the wrong way. My friends were making the big money. My friends had the big cars. My friends were doing all of that. But what kept me away from that was my parents. They kept me away from that, and I had a good mindset. But that guidance counselor. I call it guidance council, but back then, that's what they were call. Because it sent me in the wrong direction. It's
1: <clears throat> crazy. That's crazy. Huh? And I guarantee
2: you, if you speak to your, your friends and people in in prison and people we know, and I, I've done this with my friend, somewhere along the line, somebody misguided them. And there was always that person on the corner ready to catch them, pick them up, give them family, give them love, you know, and, 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 and that that's what happens. You know, you, you wind up becoming a family of someone who probably, you know, is not doing the right thing, but because at least they're taking the time and you know what, you might not be good at reading and math, but you might be good at other things, other skills that Mm-hmm. That make you successful in the community, right? Mm-hmm. You know, other things you might handle a gun good. You might know how to how to count money good. You might know how to do things that make you successful in that. So people in life, as human beings, they want to do things that make you know make them feel good. And if you're successful at something, then you continue to do it. So if you're successful at the street life, then you'll do it. And, and we see it all the time. You know, people think, "Oh, I'm really good at doing this." until so they get caught and then that all goes away right but they didn't have guidance they didn't have the right mindset and then they had everybody else telling them oh you're not going to be able to go to college you're not going to be able to get a job and, and, and then you know, and then they went the wrong way and, and Sally you know again the streets will pick them up mm-hmm.
0: but' it is, there's good people like you in the world who's helping these kids try to put them on a path of better you know for a better life. So we just thank you for, for you know for serving the community the best way you can because trust me, there's not a lot of people out there like you
2: yeah man I mean'm I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to save lives, close prisons and educate people um you know I'm 50 years old now I say you know I got another 10 good years where I could still put the hustle in but you know sadly, you know there's not an equal investment in um, community, and, and and I'm hoping that in the future you know, elected officials, others will step up and be able to make the changes that we need, because there are people in power that can can help us, you know, and, and often I'm finding myself doing the work by myself, you know, and, and it's a heavy lift.
0: Well, we thank you. Once again, we thank you. Um, and we thank you for being on the show too. Um, where can people find you?
2: yeah i mean the easiest place to find me is on instagram i I live on instagram a lot because you know that's how i get my my resources um i'm hustling on instagram as the bronx principal. um i have a book coming out called the six priorities the six priority um which i talked a little bit about where food shelter safety health and access to technology come first it's basically um a book like a handbook for anybody who wants to get the resources they need to, to help our children be successful so that's coming out in december um and on twitter it's the real talk uh torres um and you know that's that's how you can find me i mean if you want to find me professionally um <laughs> you know I, on the on the professional side um just um message me on instagram and i will give you my my doe email address and I'm always looking to, you know, help people to rise up. You know, I've I have about, I would say, thirty people uh, from the community working in school. So I'm always looking to help others to to rise. And and if I can't bring you into my school, I'll help you get into other schools.
0: I appreciate. it. Well, we thank you for being a guest on our show tonight. We helped enlighten the community a lot. We
1: appreciate this interview. Hey man, you asked a lot of my, my questions about these school systems too. So thank you very much.
2: Yeah, and you got you guys always have access to me. And you know, um, I try to be as real as I can. And I know I jump around a lot, but when 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 you at my level, you gotta be a little crazy. <laughs>
0: That's cool. That's cool. Um, when your book drops, so we'll bring you back on the show. If we can talk about the book.
2: Absolutely, brother. I appreciate you both. Right. Thank, Thank
0: you very you, man. much. I appreciate you too, man. All right, thanks Thank everybody you, for listening tonight. Have a good night, y'all. All right.